So, um, yeah, I'm over here. Guys, uh, thank you for sharing this time with me today. Like, um, I apologize ahead of time for the Pete show. <laughs> Casey is like, man, bring the Pete show on. It's like, I, I, uh, like I get in my own head about this kind of stuff. The stage, the stage, like the Lord has me here for a reason because the stage is something that I'm really, uh, I have an aversion toward. You know, in my past, like I, w- like, I don't know if you guys know this, like, I'm Pete, by the way, for those of you that I don't know, like, but, um, yeah, good, good day. Um, like, I, I used to, like, be in the metal scene, like, in the, like, early 2000s, and, like, so the stage was, like, affiliated with this, like, um, self-deprecation, self-loathing, and, like, people, like, so people's reception of someone standing on a stage is always this honor thing, right? Like, we've all been to concerts, and, like, somehow the church mimics that sometimes. So I just, like, I want to say, like, like one, like, I, I want to speak out against, like, like, that's not my heart. I don't, like, I don't feel like anybody here is a, is a rock star or anything like that. Like, in fact, like, I, I just, my preference would be that this stage was a lot more flat and that it would be about on the same height as you guys, and we could all face each other, you know. Like, that's, that's my preference, but I do appreciate um, people with oratory gifting. Lo siento. Okay. Um. Um, yeah, Lord, thank you. I thank you for every heart in this room. I thank you for every soul. Lord God, I ask that you just highlight your word. You are the, you, you utter life. Your breath carries life, Lord. And so I just, I, I ask that you would, you would, you would, you would let that rest in this room. Thank you for giving us, uh, for, for providing for us an object that is worthy of our affection and devotion and praise, Lord. Thank you for giving me a chance to both sing to you and then, then, then speak from your word, Lord. Praise you, Lord. I thank you for the Jerichos in this room that haven't happened yet. Amen. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, so like, for those of us in here that have been tracking along with us, we're in a series called Hebrews or Heroes. Sorry. It's based out of Hebrews 11. But essentially Hebrews 11 is like a highlight reel of the heroes of faith according to, according to the author of Hebrews. We'll get into uh, like why some people were left out of there and why they weren't. Because I think that's important to note. And it, it, it also, like, it speaks to what I was talking about with the stage thing. Like, what we assign importance to in society and what is actually important to the Father. So, um, okay. And rather than, like, I mean, because it's a lot of, there's a lot of scripture we have to cover. And I'm not going to read through it all. <laughs> like, so, uh, I'm going to do, I'm going to basically... I'm going to snapshot Hebrews 11 with the first three passages, which I think really uh, effectively uh, demonstrates what it's about. Hebrews 1 through 3 goes like this. 11, 1 through 3. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by it our ancestors were approved. By faith we understand that the universe was created by God's command. So that what is seen has been made from things that are not visible. That is, that's the whole premise for chap- Hebrews chapter 11. He goes on, the author goes on to write about different people that exemplify this. But I think that's a, that's a fair enough assumption, right? I want to point out real quickly before we go further, I like to dig in some of these words. I like to look at the original, like, non-English translations of what, <laughs> what the, like, the original language. 
you know? And so, like, um, like just real quickly, it's, he says, for by it our ancestors were approved. Like, that word approved is the same, it's the same root we get the word martyr from. Like, so by it, the people that came before us, martyr. Like, some translations say, won God's approval. Like, martyr, like, we, we affiliate that immediately. And we even slap a bad connotation on, oh, they're just being a martyr. Like, because it involves punishment or some kind of suffering. Martyr, it, it means witness. It means to see. So, by it, our ancestors won the approval of God. Our ancestors, the things that they did that no one else saw was seen by God. Like, I, I think this concept, we can, we can kind of take a bite into this in this room. None of us can see each other's faith. Like, especially in church, we have a tendency to slap the smile on our face, right? The veneer comes on. Uh, like, I want to encourage us, don't do that. Let's be real with one another. Let's give access to each other's hearts. We don't need, we don't need fake. We don't need fake Christianity. We've been working really hard at that for a long time, right? I have. Okay. Um, yeah, so faith. Like, how many of you guys can see light in this room right now? Ben, you might be able to see light, actually. Like, uh, like what is, what light is, it's, there are photons firing around in here, right? Like, they're, they're just tiny particles that we cannot see. What we see is the revelation of what their actions do. Light is invisible. What's revealed is the activity of light. Keep that, keep that in, in, in your brains. Okay. Um, so let's look at our passage from this week. So last week, Tony really effectively covered Gideon and gave this really solid, beautiful account of Gideon's, Gideon's story, of his narrative. Okay, but this week will be, so it's the name following Gideon in that passage. So Hebrews 11, 32 through 40. It goes like this. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell you about, okay, so, like, real quickly, what he's saying right there is, this, like, my words can't encompass the fullness of the heroic faith that is in, that, that, that is part of our people, that's part of our, our culture. He says, what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell you about Gideon, who Tony spoke about, Barak, who we're talking about today, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, Quench the raging fire, escape the edge of the sword. Ah, right? Like, that's like these, like, these manly, like, heroic-sounding things. Gain strength after being weak. Keep that in, in your back pocket. And remember what I was talking about, like, what we apply value to. Is that necessarily what God sees as valuable? Gain strength after being weak. Became mighty in battle. Like that word became. And put foreign armies to flight. So this week we're talking about Barak. Not that one. More appropriately, we're talking about Deborah and Barak. Like, you can't, you can't separate these two. Like even though in Hebrews 11 it says, the author mentions Barak, but leaves Deborah out of it. We'll talk about why. 
Deborah and Barack. It's funny, like, uh, like Barack's name, like it, it means lightning, but it can also mean praise. Like to bless or to kneel. Like that's pretty cool. Like he takes lightning and makes it kneel. I don't know. Um, uh, Deborah's name means honeydew. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> it's awesome. My wife's, my wife's name means honeydew. Lissa is her name. It's not Deborah. But um, okay. And we'll find out that these two are linked in the account that's in the book of Judges. They're linked like PB and grapes. Jelly. Yes. Anybody heard of the Deborah number? You guys know what? Yes, yes, ma'am. Stop. You know the <laughs> you know the Deborah number. Any of you guys know the Deborah number in 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 physics? You guys familiar with rheology? Me neither. Like I like this. This came after my brother. Uh, uh, who, by the way, I got to point out. Mom, uh, somebody pointed out that me and my mom are dressed the same today. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I. Like, it's to honor you, Mom. Like, uh, no, but Mom's son, Polly, my brother, is a chemist. I am not. Okay, so, um, like, so the Deborah number in rheology, okay, is that number was, was, was uh, thought of and kind of determined by this guy named Marcus uh, Reiner, I think. Reiner. And what the Deborah number talks about is it, it, it's like a, it's a formula that determines the flow of everything. So I don't know if you guys know this, but solids and liquids all flow. Weird. Like if you if you look at you can you can date like cathedral construction by the sag of the windows. Like glass is a solid, but it like everything, everything flows. So and and but there's there's like it all moves like liquid, which is crazy to me. Mountains move like liquid. According to this formula, it's called the Deborah formula, not just for arbitrarily grabbing this name. Uh, let's go to Judges 5. So Judges 5 is a song that Deborah and Barak sang. It goes like this. <coughs> I'm, I'm not going to sing it, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. But uh, on that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang, when the leaders lead in Israel. Translation roughly is is when people are set free. So when the, the liberators set people free in Israel, when the people volunteer, that's, that, that equates to when the people give their lives. Like, let that stick to us a little bit. Like, I am such a consumer in this environment. When people are set free Give their life. Praise the Lord. Pay attention, or listen, kings. Pay attention, princes. I will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when you came from Seir, when you marched from the fields of Edom, the earth trembled, the heavens poured rain, the clouds poured water, the mountains melted before the Lord, even, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. That's what this is. That's so. This chemist in the 30s, I think it was 1938, Reiner came up with this formula. 
And the Deborah number is, is like you obtain this number by taking an amount of force over time. And what's implied here is it's a divine amount of force in a divine amount of time. So unfathomable time. Over a certain period of time, everything flows, given enough time. Remember those two words, force and time. Okay. Let's try this out. This is the we're gonna. This is the meat of the of the of the scripture here. I'm gonna. I don't want to hustle through it for the sake of hustling. Let's do it. Judges four. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So it doesn't matter what people say. It matters what the Lord thinks and says. And sees the people did what was evil in his sight after Ehud, which Ehud means I will give thanks. Uh, it, like, like when we become ungrateful, that's for me at least. I don't know about you guys. When my actions become not what the Lord wants, and I was created to give him what he wants. And it's good for me. After Ehud died. So the Lord sold them. Another word is gave them over. Into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. It's going to be a bunch of names like this. The commander of his forces was Sisera, who lived in Harosheth in the, of the nations. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord. So after they were in trouble, they fired up the, their Hail Mary prayer. Right? because Jabin had 900 iron chariots and he harshly oppressed them for 20 years. Deborah, a woman who was a prophet and the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time. Now, judge, like that term, it means to sit as a king or a queen, to be a governor. Like, so she was, she was in charge of Israel. We don't hear much about Deborah for some reason. Okay. A woman who was a prophet and the wife of Lapidoth was judging Israel at the time. It was her custom to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her for judgment. She summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh and Naphtali and said to him, Hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, go deploy the troops on Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men from the Naphtalites and the Zebulonites? Then I will lure Caesar, commander of Jabin's forces, his chariots and his army, at the Wadi Kishon to fight against you, and I will hand him over to you. So in other words, she's saying, hasn't God already said this to you? What are you doing? How slow am I to move to the, to the voice of the Lord to what I'm called to? Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I, I will go, but if you will not go with me, I will not go. Sounds super brave. That's a hero of faith right there, guys. Um, I will go with you, she said. But you will receive no honor on the road you're about to take because the Lord will sell Caesarea into a woman's hand. So Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali and Kadesh. 10,000 men followed him. And Deborah also went with him. Now Heber the Kenite had moved away from the Kenites, the sons of Hobab, Moses' father-in-law, and pitched his tent beside the tree of Zanan, Zananim, which was near Kadesh. It was reported to Assyria 
Isera, that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount, gone up Mount Tabor. Sisera summoned all his 900 iron chariots and all the people who were with him from Harosheth of the nations to the Wadi Kishon. Then Deborah said to Barak, move on for this day. The Lord has handed Sisera over to you. Hasn't the Lord gone before you? I just want to ask that in the room, like in the mirror and before you guys. Hasn't the Lord gone before you? If we're in here and we claim the things that we claim, hasn't he gone before you? Yes. So Barak came down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. The Lord threw Sisera, his all his charioteers, and all his army into confusion with the sword before Barak. Sisera left his chariot and fled on foot. It's like a, it's like a removal of power. Like I'm reminded of the Psalms, like some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we will trust in the Lord our God. Like he removes the power of men in your life. Sisera had fled on foot to the tent of uh, Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the family of Heber the Kenite. Jael went out to greet Sisera and said to him, Come, come in, my lord, come in with me. Don't be afraid. So when he went into her tent, and she covered him, and she covered him with a rug, he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I'm thirsty. She opened a container of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him again. That word for milk, like, I thought this was disgusting, but that word is like, like it's curd water. So she was like making cheese, and the water left from the cheese is what she gave this dude, like it threw a rug over his head. Awesome. Um, don't be afraid. So he went into her tent, she covered him with a rug, she said to her, please give me a little water to drink, <laughs> for I'm thirsty. She opened a container of milk, gave, gave him a drink, and covered him again. Then he said to her, stand at the entrance of the tent. If a man comes to ask you, if a man comes to ask you, is there a man here, say no. While he was sleeping from exhaustion, uh, Heber's wife, Jael, took a tent peg, grabbed a hammer, and went silently to Caesarea. She hammered the peg into his temple and drove it into the ground, and he died, obviously. When Barak arrived in pursuit of Caesarea, Jael went, went out to greet him, and she, and she said to him, come, and I will show you the man you are looking for. So he went with her. And there was Caesarea lying dead at a tent peg through his temple. That day, God sounded Jabin, or uh, Nabat, Heber's subdued. Yeah, my uh, my autocorrect is beautiful. That day, God subdued Jabin, king of uh, king of Canaan, before the Israelites. The power of the Israelites continued to increase against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. In other words. When people start listening to the voice of the Lord, their enemies were squashed. And I'm not talking about like going and making war with other nations. I'm talking about like the enemies that I wage war with every day. And you do too. Like when we move by the word of the Lord and not by the opinion of people, we crush the enemy. Okay, so let's look back at Hebrews 11. flip to that. What more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Why is Deborah missing? Why is Jael missing? 
both Deborah and Barack sing the song following the victory. But there's a massive difference between the two of them. I'm not talking about uh, physiology. But physiology, of course, determines a lot of decisions we as society as a Christian make. One of these two clearly heard the voice of the Lord and was immediately obedient. Which takes a great deal of strength and courage. The other was not. Which one had strength? Yet, yet Barak is listed with other people who were weak. take longer to respond to the voice of God. Some of us take longer to see things from his point of view and become rigid, seemingly immovable. That's known as possessing a high devil moment when we're talking about our mind. When we are immovable, that means this number is super high. And I'm speaking to our hearts right now. Because this has no exposure of heart. This is all practice and knowledge. And this is all culture and tradition. It's beautiful. But this is not our hearts. We're too afraid to see other people's hearts and share our own. Thank you. Higher devil moment. The passage in Hebrews 11, 32 through 38 implies that even though we act in weakness and self-preservation. I don't know if you guys know what agape is defined by. I'm sure some of us do. It means to prefer someone else. I know some of us that agape very well. It is his glory that changes and molds us into the people who bear witness to the things of God by our faith. This room right here. Not one of us can see. I think it's protons. I don't know. Like, or photons. I think it's some kind of small, fo- like, tiny thing we cannot see. But we're trained to look for the obvious. We're trained for that immediate gratification. We're trained for words that tickle our ears, and we'll look, we'll scour the earth for those words, and we'll scour what makes us comfortable or feel good. I don't blame you. I do the same thing. So why was Deborah overlooked? Brock was the mighty warrior in Hebrews 11. up there because he gains strength after being weak. At some point, it didn't matter what his Deborah number was. I didn't mention, like, in that, in that passage, in that song, it says the, the mountains were melted like wax. That word melt means to flow. And to move. So Barak had a high devil moment, and it took 
little bit of time and some pressure from someone who's clearly hearing the voice of God. They moved and look what happened. I say this to every one of our impediments in this room, including my own. Didn't even, he didn't begin the battle. He's called a warrior. He didn't finish the battle, but he's still called a warrior. Our lens of viewing scripture, I want to encourage you. Let's throw our traditional cultural stuff in the trash and learn to read scripture from a heart of love because that's what it was provided with. It's not to increase our, our knowledge and puff us up. It's not to make us religious uh, Producers of more religious. Who needs that? Deborah saw clearly and heard clearly and responded immediately with confidence in the Lord. The group mentioned in Hebrews 11, Barak is included in, were people that had to learn to see clearly. If we're really excited about laying the word, which yes, but fill your minds with it. But learn to see clearly. We need to humble ourselves to do that. He's going to do it. He will humble us to his glory. So we have a tendency to overlook the flaws of our heroes. Because we have a tendency to attach ourselves to narcissistic behavior. If what we view as leadership or as great oration is simply a defense mechanism from avoiding contact on a deep level, what is called strength is actually weakness. And we put people in positions of power that are weak. came in here and Joe's like, hey, man, how's, how's, how's your wrestling? Like, Joe is, if you don't have people in your life that are faithful to, to ask, like, real questions, like, we're helpless. I'll have you know that, like, our podcasts that we attach ourselves to, we don't know them. They don't know us. The teachers on the other side of the planet that are these powerful orators, they don't know us. We don't know them. They can't hold me accountable. It's a relationship that he's after. He wants us to exist in, maybe not, <laughs> like not maybe, maybe, but uh, yeah, like, I'm sorry, I, I get excited. Uh, like it's a relationship he's after, is what I'm saying. So, <laughs> me and you, buddy, like right now. Uh, see, like what we do is we elect people and we, and, and we anoint people and we give good words to people that are just weak. And we overlook people that maybe don't speak as loudly. Or maybe they're as smaller in stature. Maybe they aren't beautiful. Maybe they aren't the wisest, the smartest people. And we say, no, that's, you know, she's not like that. He's like that. I wouldn't hang out with that guy.
said, we've actually culturally learned to appoint leaders who function by weakness. They look really strong, but they've actually developed over time ways to avoid their own character flaws and assert themselves as correct. Hi, Deborah Nunez. One day, they will kneel. Given a divine amount of time or an incredibly powerful amount of force. That word force calls to mind this word in Hebrew is kavod. Some of us know what that is. Kavod is glory. Like the glory of God means weight. I mean, there's also like Shekinah is another word for glory, and that means like this bright, emanating glory. But kavod of God is heavy. That's what I'm reminded of. Psalm 97.5 says this, the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, the presence of the Lord of all the earth. Like that word presence, panim, it's face. Mark eleven twenty three says, I assure you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. I'm not saying we can, like, make our lottery numbers click. I'm saying, like, when we choose to agree with him, we align our lives with him. And the things we do become powerful things. Out of alignment, there is no power. Micah 1.4, the mountains will melt beneath him and the valleys will split apart like wax near a fire, like water cascading down a mountainside. Glory of God. Like, and I know some of us might, like, we can, we can get our heads around, like, a, a mountain, like, maybe over a divine amount of time, like, tr- beginning to flow. But we have a hard time thinking of a mountain forming into a flow by power. So I want to remind you guys, I, some, there are a bunch of us too young to remember Mount St. Helens, but look it up. Like in seconds, a mountain melted, was split in two. Seconds. And that's from geothermal power. The God that breathes geothermal power into existence is a whole other ballgame. Okay, so there's an extreme or divine amount of force, a divine amount of time. Like, I'm reminded of the word yom in Hebrew. And, like, yom means day, but it can also mean a season, a week, or just a period of time. It can also mean, like, I I think it has eternal significance sometimes, too. Yom. And that word, you can find it in Isaiah 2, 12. It says this. For the day, for a day belonging to the Lord, a yom, a, a day belonging to the Lord of hosts is coming against all that is proud and lofty against all that is lifted up, and it will be humbled. He will do it starting with me, and I pray that he does. Second Peter 3.8 says this, Dear friends, don't let this one thing escape you. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. Force and time everything to melt, but it's the divine, the divinity of those two things that will, it's, he's going to do it. We can agree with him, 
by force <laughs> agreed. I don't want to end on that note. Uh, <laughs> so I want to leave you with something that was like, like it, it, it changed everything for me. Like, so I, I gave my life to Jesus when I was seven. I answered an altar call at full faith years ago. Then I ran from the Lord. Ran. Addiction, you know, relationships. Like I took everything that I thought I needed and I binge fed. And all I did is it just created this gap, this widening pit in me that made me despise myself. The creation of God. And I hated it. Nothing I could do, like, like it was like a vacuum. Like every drug, like I like pills and I like to drink. Every drug I put in my body just was like, oh, that, like, like I'd get over it relatively quickly enough. And the fun of that went away fast. You know, it, it became this thing. But it was all fed by this, like, this need to belong and to be wanted, to be seen and heard. That was, that was like, I did that for years. My mom, like, thank you for praying for so long for me. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't brought through that until I was 30. Like, and there was, there was a day, like, I remember distinctly, I set it all down. And I decided to follow Jesus with my whole life. And what I, I was presented with the chance to plug in with, with other people, other men, they're like me, other addicts. And like, it was beautiful. I got baptized, confessed him as my king. And then one day I just quit believing. I just stopped. And you know how it goes, like, like there's a stop, like a torpedo that comes in. It's just like, I don't believe this anymore. This is all, this is all fake. This is all, this is all BS. That happened in like a really significant way. Like, I don't know, it was maybe a month after I got baptized. And then I was like, 30-year-old, living at my mom's house. Thank you for being generous. And I was outside on her porch. Because I, I didn't have anything. I didn't have a house. I, like, I had a job, but I mean, I owned the, the business, and so I could do whatever I wanted. So I, I, I was lazy, you know. So I was sitting on her porch. I was smoking a cigarette, and I was just like, tears in my eyes. I don't believe this anymore. I don't believe a second of it. And I had a Bible sitting on my lap, and I was like, God, you know, Hail Mary. <laughs> it's like, like through the past, you know. I was like, God, if you're, if you're real, I need to know I'm about to walk in that. And, like, I, I never advise people to read the word like this. I just cracked it open. First thing that falls, that's what I'm going to read. That's what I'm going to stick to. And it landed on this. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from me. Now this in this line is what Paul called a thorn. It was affliction. Maybe addiction. pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from me. But he said to me, my power is made perfect 
in weakness. Praise you, Father. Therefore, I, am, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness. I can know all the stuff in the world. I can know the word and have it memorized. Trash if I am not weak in my own eyes. most gladly boast all the more about my weakness, weaknesses, so that Messiah's power may reside in me. Why do we not see a powerful church today? Because we are men and women that are obsessed with being strong, obsessed with leveling up our knowledge base, doing things that impact more people. weaknesses and insults and catastrophes, persecutions and pressures because of Messiah. I'm not saying this for guilt, guilt trips here. But these are things that the Lord reveals in me that I'm just like, what am I doing? And it's not, it's, the word says that godly guilt, or I'm sorry, the guilt of the world leads to death. But godly guilt leads to repentance and life without regret. That's exactly what the word says. But we have a tendency as Christians to run around with worldly guilt and it kills us. Physically kills us. Heart attacks, strokes. I'm a stroke guy. Because we're trying to be strong. We weren't made to do that. Yes, amen, amen. Yeah, my hand, like stroke time, like I couldn't move my hand. I play guitar with that hand, you know. Um, that's not an excuse for my friend. Um, so I am pleased in weaknesses, in insults, in catastrophes, persecutions, and in pressures because of Messiah, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So do we want to know how to navigate our lives with effectiveness and power in the kingdom? We call ourselves his children and nothing more. Would I make my kid try to turn a car over if, if, if somebody got in a car wreck? No. My child is reliant. We're obsessed with building these things up because it's our pride. Pride makes us think we're bigger, but it also makes us think we're smaller. Humility agrees with the Father. I improve on them, sorry. I got I I thank you. I don't want like I want you to be convicted in your hearts. This isn't something that, like, I, my position in a stinking room doesn't make my voice more important. Like, I'd rather have these conversations with you personally. That's why I'm awkward on stage. I, I like talking and being around people.
This is not a conversation. But I want you to be convicted. Because he wants you to be convicted. He wants you to know how special and bright you are. Our knowledge isn't going to get us that. And our actions will not get us that. Thank you for worshiping with me. Straight to you. Jesus, I praise your name for every person in here. God, we agree with your judgments. And we surrender our own. The clay can't say to the potter, what are you doing? Clay doesn't know who the potter is, and Lord, you are perfect control. Jesus, I ask that you would set a fire in us. One that would pursue our neighbor. One that would pursue those closest to us and forgive them. God, I ask that you change me today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for calling us the light, the unseen of the world. And we are known by our fruit. So God, give us awareness of who we are. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You guys, like, look, here, here's the thing. Like, there is, Paul said it, there's now no condemnation for those of us in Jesus. And, like, I've heard it put like this, like, like Jesus said, be perfect. He wasn't like saying, except for these times. He said, be perfect. But what he did is he gave us this incredible, perfect safety net called grace. Be perfect this week. And when we screw up, there's grace for that. But we don't function from this weakness of, 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 of humanity. We function by the power of God. Be perfect. That's, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Love you guys. Thank you. Have a great week.